0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Smur's Day, July 19th, 2021. On the show today, news, surveys that indicate how character greetings might come back to Walt Disney World and listener questions. And in our main segment, Jim and I talk about the paid version of Fast Pass that's coming to Disneyland Paris and what it might mean for Walt Disney World. Let's get started by bringing in the man who will never know the lyrics to Come on Eileen but we'll never stop singing it as if he does. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's What's, it going?
1: You're bringing me to a shameful part of my teens and young adulthood. I'm 62 now, and and Nancy insists, somewhat deaf. But it's just, even back then, just listening to the radio, we built this city on sausage rolls. <laughs> Sweet dreams are made of cheese.
0: Who might I to disagree, right? Yeah,
1: a, lot of, a lot of food-related stuff, Len. You know, just... I,
0: I uh, I wrote this. I wrote that uh, that part of the show notes last night, mm-hmm. and then I woke up this morning singing the song, and then I realized I don't know anything close to all the words. Yeah. <laughs> it's all English, but yeah. none of it makes sense. Yeah, this, anyway, this is
1: why I it, literally everything everything we Nancy and I watch on television now is closed captions.
0: Get closed it. captioned. It's just so much easier it too. Is. It is. <laughs> I watched uh, Black Widow the other night on uh, at home on with close, closed captioning on, and I, I got to say some of those Russian accents in Black Widow. Mm-hmm made Amy Acker's Texas accent in Angel (laughs) look positively Shakespearean. (laughs) That was just... All right. (laughs) Like, what what part of Cleveland is Russia in with this accent? I'm not entirely sure. (sighs) Comic book, Glenn. Comic book. Comic book, exactly, exactly. (laughs) All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Tim Elrod, Jysom12, and Steve Patterson, and longtime subscribers, Greenlawn, Keith G. of Keith G. Design, and Steve Lupo. Jim, these are the folks who are tasked with finding the dinosaur bones that kids dig up every day at the boneyard in Disney's Animal Kingdom, and not coincidentally, Jim, posters, of each of them can be found in break rooms of every major natural history museum in this country. I'm just saying, true story. (laughs) Excuse
1: me, miss. I can't can't help but noticing your purse has a 10-foot-long thigh bone sticking out of it. Could you step over here so
0: we could have a conversation? Oh, this? I brought this in with me. There we go, yes. (laughs) I always carry a giant 8-foot-long pelvis Yeah, The kids get hungry. They need to gnaw on something. This is just what I do. There you go. All right, Jim, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free trial experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. And Jim, I understand that you and I might have some news coming up around this. Yes, yes. All right, we won't say anything yet. Mm-hmm. We may have some news coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in terms of news, uh, Jim, Disney has announced the Mickey's Veriest Merry After Hours Party mm-hmm. taking place November 8th through December 21st of this year. Again, no surprise once they announced mm-hmm. the Halloween parties that they were getting a Christmas party as well. This is almost, though, exactly the same dates as 2019, which I believe ran through the 22nd mm-hmm. of December, and that had 23 party nights. So Disney hasn't announced the actual dates yet, but I'm expecting somewhere around 20 to 23 parties. Like, we, saw, we saw with the Halloween parties, Disney added more as they saw it demand, right?
1: Historically, we've seen... With Mickey's uh, Not-So-Scary and, and likewise Boo we've seen dates added. Did they do that with the Christmas party as well? Or was that pretty much, this is what we have and this is what you get?
0: They added them between years. So like in 2019, for example, ah, there we go. might have added days from 2018, but uh, I don't think we ever saw... A date added once the original set of dates were announced. Mm-hmm. What we saw was every year an expansion of dates. Okay. Uh, obviously, you know, this year is different for a variety of reasons. Certainly. So. Certainly. Okay. So, the par- parties begin at 9 p.m., they run through 1 a.m., mm-hmm. the access to the park as early as 7 p.m., so you get five, six hours yeah. in the park. Pricing not yet announced. My guess is it's going to be at least as expensive as the Boobash mm-hmm. because yeah. Disney now knows what people will pay for those things. Mm-hmm. So that's uh that's good. So that means we'll uh, we'll have Halloween and Christmas parties this year. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, other news, the Epcot monorail reopened on the 18th. That's yesterday if you are listening to this on Monday. That's good. And I believe Disney said that the Polynesian monorail stop will open sometime in August. Again, the uh, actually today's the day that uh, today's the day that the Polynesian opens cuz I think I think I have a reservation. Oh. Tonight. I should I should really look at that. Okay. Okay. The nineteenth, yeah, Monday. Yeah,
1: I should I should look at that. All right, because BioReconstruct did some absolutely amazing flyovers this past weekend. Or there I mean, killer, 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 killer the imagery. But the, the almost straight down shot on the construction that's being done on the new monorail starts. and the Pope mm-hmm. Couture, is that the, the, the way we pronounce it? The, the new entrance structure the poly? I
0: mean, it all looks yeah. very, very impressive. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to pronounce it, so I just say entrance. There we go. Yeah, it looks, uh, <laughs>
1: That thing on the front there, looks-
0: you go in, there, perfect, exactly. good. <laughs> exactly, the arrival, The arrival place. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, if this is Monday and it's July 19th and you happen to be walking around Hollywood Studios, there may be some fireworks tonight around 1045. I'm just saying, probably Star Wars Galactic Spectacular testing. I don't think it's phantasmic, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Also, Jim, we talked about this right before the show. Mm-hmm. The big news over the last week was that in Walt Disney mm-hmm. World, VIP tours got access to Rise of the Resistance without a boarding group this past weekend. And then it was taken away Mm -hmm. like three days later. For a variety of reasons, actually. You know, they did
1: have mechanical issues for a day.
0: Yeah, right. So the big knock with Rise of the Resistance was always that you could pay Mm -hmm. big money for a VIP tour and still not get on the ride. Mm -hmm. So the VIP tour that I went on on July 2nd, I'm told, was something around $750 an hour. Right. So minimum seven hours. So that's what? 5,300 and something dollars. Yep. Right. Without access to, and you can't get on a ride with resistance, Mm -hmm. right? Which seems like a lot of money to pay to not get on a ride. Yeah. And so Disney was sensitive to this, Mm -hmm. right? Because asking people to pay five grand plus gratuity Mm -hmm. and then get up at 7 a.m. and then have system problems or something that causes you not to be able to get on the ride Mm -hmm. is not the best customer experience. No, no, it isn't. In the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Disney said, you know what? Uh, A couple of weekends ago, you know what? Check with your guide. Your guide will see if uh, if there's capacity on the ride. But you may not need a boarding group if you've booked a VIP tour. Mm-hmm. And that lasted four days? Yeah. It's
1: this weird Venn diagram of we're still having operational issues coupled with the fact that we have the 50th anniversary looming. And there's already a narrative out there about how expensive it is to go to yeah. Walt Disney World. And to have now this be the story that's out there that the only way you can Guarantee getting on this thing is if you pay for this VIP tour, and it's just like right. that's the exact wrong narrative to have out there when you're trying to persuade the world that everyone who's ever been to Walt Disney World, you got to come back for the fiftieth. But it reminds me of that that Family Guy episode where Peter befriends Michael Eisner, and it's like as Eisner leaves, he can it's like hey Peter, you know, come on out to Disneyland, but as he goes, he leans out the window, but bring lots of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's the the issue that I heard was. For VIP tours, there were some VIP tour people who paid the money, and then the ride was unable to accommodate them, which you know through mechanical breakdowns or, or, or delays or whatever. Yeah. Again, not a great guest experience. And and remember, if um, if the ride goes through a period where it's not boarding for forty minutes or whatever mm-hmm. or an hour, that's seven hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. on that VIP tour that was spent waiting around for a ride to open. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the refund requests mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that management got for that. The other thing that I heard was was the complaint was people who didn't spend $5,000 on a VIP tour, but they might've spent $10,000 on hotel rooms at the Grand Floridian who rightfully pointed out that all dollars spend the same, mm-hmm. right? So why is $5,000 on a VIP tour when you're staying offsite more important to Disney than $10,000 spent on a hotel room, right? And that was, uh, I, I think, what happened was the frontline cast members got tired of hearing this, and management decided it wasn't worth the hassle.
1: That certainly during the 50th anniversary year.
0: And Jim, I said, I, I said to you before the show, if management thinks that that was bad feedback, wait until they hear about paid fast pass. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think they're gonna be shocked by that. Anyway, all right. Uh, and by the way, Jim, with all the stuff that's reopening, our friend uh, Matt Pedolicio. Of the Disney Comeback Index now has Walt Disney World at 65.15%. This is July 14th. That's approximately a 13% jump from the original numbers in April, Matt says. And it's things like the attractions are like at 93% comeback. Mm-hmm. So obviously Typhoon Lagoon isn't open yet. That's a big chunk of that. Um, Hall of Presidents, Enchanted Tales with Bell, things like that are open, but we're pretty close. Entertainment's at around 37%, so obviously some fireworks shows, mm-hmm. the parades, the meet and greets still are open and whatnot, and that uh, dining's at around 65%. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly but surely. All right, Jim, let's do, uh, let's do some listener emails. First, we're going to start with surveys. Mm-hmm. So our friend Jen sent in a new survey uh, she got that might indicate how character greetings are going to come back in Walt Disney World. So Jen says, I was at Walt Disney World in June, and I got one of those Disney research surveys after my Animal Kingdom visit. After the initial survey about the animal kingdom, it asked if I wanted to continue with another survey, and I said yes. And this survey focused on cavalcades and meet and greets. It started off asking about cavalcades. You know, did we witness them? Did they positively or negatively impact our trip? And then it moved into meet and greets in conjunction with cavalcade questions and presumably COVID stuff. Uh, so things like did not having meet and greets positively or negatively impact our trip? Would we attend meet and greets if there were still cavalcades and so on? And of particular note, Jen says, is that the meet and greet questions separated fur characters from face characters. So each question was repeated with either Mickey Mouse or a Disney princess. And it asked things about physical contact. So here is uh, here's an example question. Which of these statements best describes your group's current feelings about waiting in line, assume 30 minutes to personally meet a character such as Mickey Mouse? And the first option is even if we could see Mickey Mouse in a cavalcade show or spontaneous setting, we would only be willing to wait in an indoor line to meet him, not an outdoor line. Second option is even if we could see Mickey Mouse in a cavalcade show or spontaneous setting, we would only be willing to wait in an outdoor line to meet him, not an indoor line. So this is a COVID question, right? Mm -hmm. Even if we could see Mickey Mouse in a cavalcade show, spontaneous setting, we'd be willing to wait in either an indoor or outdoor line, so we don't really care. We just care about Mickey Mouse. Seeing Mickey Mouse in a cavalcade show or spontaneous sighting would be enough of a character experience for me, and we would choose not to wait to personally meet him. And the final answer is, even without seeing Mickey Mouse in a cavalcade show spontaneous sighting, we would not be willing to wait in line to personally meet him.
1: Obviously, this is a question that's impacted by people who, you know, coming out of 16 months of dealing with the pandemic and yeah. you know, mask wearing and, and that sort of thing. But the wild card here, especially for somebody who's been to Walt Disney World, is if we're talking indoor, outdoor line, we are still talking Florida, we're still talking heat, humidity. And that you're in line and the crappiness factor that creeps up when you're standing in a hot, yeah. crowded line.
0: And let's face it. It could be it could be hot and humid in Florida anytime basically from March through December. True. True. So yeah.
1: but yeah, that's that's an interesting set of questions. And and then, you know, the sort of variance between this is a fur character, somebody who's wearing the full head outfit versus a face yeah. character where it's literally you and Cinderella, just a foot or so apart. That's interesting.
0: Presumably they could do something with the fur characters where the fur characters are wearing masks, mm-hmm. and we are all outdoors meeting Mickey Mouse, yeah. and that as soon as Mickey goes off stage, mm-hmm. he's you know <laughs> scrubbed by large brushes and doused in uh Alcohol baths. I'm blanking the name of the Mike Nichols movie about the nuclear plants, but oh yeah, okay, I see that. <laughs> oh, uh, Silkwood, isn't it? Silkwood. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Come on,
1: exactly. Mickey, you know, get in that bath. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. The uh, I, I was a little surprised at the uh, the phrasing of this question, in that the last option was, you know, what we don't we don't care about seeing Mickey Mouse either in a cavalcade show or personal greeting. That's that's the cheapest option for Disney, yeah. right? Not even trotting Mickey Mouse out. And they put it last instead of first. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's an
1: executive at Disney who believe. you know, if you take the characters out of the equation, I mean, hell, the, internally, Disney, that they talk about this is the one advantage that we have over Universal or SeaWorld or anybody else in the business. We have our characters, and people come here for our characters. So, It's not an option. On the other hand, I'm sure you saw the announcement about the Christmas offerings and, you know, for example, how at Animal Kingdom, you know, the cavalcades, the boat things are going to continue. But now they'll be playing holiday music
0: as they float by. You know, like. All right. Uh, On to listener questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, Amy in Michigan writes in and says, I have a question regarding the information Disney released about which resorts would be included in the early morning magic minute. So this is early theme park entry. It listed all the Disney resorts as well as the Disney affiliated resorts nearby but did not mention the swan or dolphin. Is this just an error of omission? I hope it is. We love staying at the swan and dolphin. The location can't be beat. And we have our next two visits booked there. Also, uh, Emily wrote in to add in that Shades of Green Mm -hmm. wasn't on the original eligible list either and asked how much of an impact uh, early theme park entry would have on wait time. So the good news is, Mm -hmm. Emily and Amy, uh, is that the swan, dolphin, and Shades of Green are... Uh, going to be eligible for early theme park entry. It just wasn't on the original list, mm-hmm. but uh, we all knew it was going to happen. So they didn't, the Swan and Dolphin actually came out with a press release and clarified that as a good neighbor hotel, they are part of the program, mm-hmm. Swan, uh, and then the Shades of Green too. Mm-hmm. But to answer Emily's question about the impact of early theme park entry, I looked at what the impact is of getting in early at Animal Kingdom for Flight of Passage. Okay. So this was, we're recording this on a Thursday. Yesterday was Wednesday. The, uh, the park's official opening for the Animal Kingdom yesterday was 8 a.m., but they started letting people in around 7.20, 7.30. Mm-hmm. Here were the wait times at Flight of Passage. And these are actual wait times as timed by touringplans.com users. Mm-hmm. So at 7.41, so roughly t- 10 to 20 minutes after the park had opened, mm-hmm. there's an actual wait time of 70 minutes at uh, Flight of Passage. Uh, we don't know what the posted wait time is because My Disney Experience doesn't display posted wait times before official opening. Five minutes later, the actual wait time had gone up seven minutes to seventy-seven. At seven fifty-four, the actual wait time was eighty-six minutes, and then at seven fifty-eight a.m., which is two minutes before the official park opening, the actual wait time in line was one hundred and one minutes holy at the park. Holy
1: cow! It jumped right forty-one minutes in uh,
0: thirty-one, thirty-one minutes in thirty-one minutes in seventeen minutes. Yeah. Holy so,
1: cow!
0: If the park was open between you know thirty and forty minutes. Mm-hmm the The actual wait goes up somewhere between two and a half and three minutes for every minute the park is open, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Um, so, if you were, if this was early theme park entry, mm-hmm. and you were an offsite guest uh, getting into the park, and let's just assume you were literally the first mm-hmm. of the offsite guests, you were at the very front of the pack of offsite guests going into the park. We would expect that your actual wait in line at flight of passage again, assuming you were the very front of that group, would would be somewhere around 100 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And granted, this is without FastPass, right? And it doesn't matter for this, though, that uh, the Animal Kingdom doesn't have shows running like Finding Nemo because even if the Animal Kingdom was running Finding Nemo, they wouldn't run it at 8 Mm a.m. because shows typically start around 10 or 11 a.m. anyway. So the the fact that the Animal Kingdom doesn't have shows or live performances doesn't mean anything in this particular scenario Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have been running anyway is they yeah. got
1: to get that Yeti fixed and promote the fact that, oh my God, you got to see the new Yeti or or the Zootopia project they keep talking about. They have to green light that. I mean, I get how an attraction, particularly a popular attraction, will change the center of gravity of the park, but oh my God, those numbers.
0: Yeah. And that's um, that's true. Remember, the, the park isn't running at full capacity yet. Yeah. yeah. The other thing was, too, we've actually measured this in terms of impact uh, on touring plans. Mm-hmm. And when the park was running at 35% capacity, we estimated that early theme park entry would cause off-site guests to wait in line anywhere from one to two hours more in line over the course of a day, assuming they had a perfect touring plan uh, and knew what they were doing. So that's the, uh, that's the effect of early theme park entry on offsite guests. Wow. Okay. All right. Hamid writes in to say, uh, on a recent show, you guys mentioned the Midget Autopia ride that was moved from Disneyland to Marceline, Missouri. My wife's family lives in Buckland, a neighboring town, and we went to visit the Disney Museum in Marceline. They have one of the cars on display, and they have plans to restore the ride and have poured concrete and made a pavilion. This was 2019, so I'm not sure what progress they've made since then, but here are some of the pictures I took while we were there. So, Jim, I've put two of these pictures in the show notes for you, and there's one from, it says, 1966 Autopia. Mm-hmm. And, and, Jim, if I were to describe this to our <laughs> listeners, imagine a potato field. <laughs> that has been plowed so there is no vegetation it is only clumps of dirt Mm -hmm. and on those clumps of dirt you poured a four foot wide strip of concrete in a zigzag form and put little cars on it and then you surrounded the entire thing by chicken wire that is this photo this, I will, Jim, I, let me say, looking at this photo, I will never again, mm-hmm. mark my, my words, I will never again complain about seeming a Walt Disney World <laughs> attraction. There is nothing here but concrete car and chicken wire. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but at the same time, if you look at the face of the kids who are driving uh, in, in this, you know, they're re, happy. Yeah,
0: repurposed potato field, they're thrilled. I think we can actually see – because remember, Disneyland was orange groves, right? Yep. I think in the background, we can actually see some of the orange trees <laughs> still there. <Yeah. laughs> like if you could hop over the chicken wire, you could you could enjoy some citrus. Oof. That was
1: rough. Okay. I'm pretty sure, though – what's interesting here, Len, is we're looking at the setup in actual Marceline. In fact, if you look in the background there, you can see picnic groves and a low stone wall. This is how it was set up. And, and again, remember, this attraction closed – and then move to Marceline. That's just the thing that Walt gifted to his old childhood home. So you may be actually looking at a Marceline potato field here, which again...
0: So this says this says 1966 on it, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but remember, 66, they had shut the attraction down in 55 to make room for It's a Small World. In fact, I, I...
0: Ah, right, right. Okay, so this is Marceline. Yeah. I thought this was Disneyland. I was like, ooh, that is rough. Okay. But again, happy children. Yeah, the kids are happy then. All right, yeah. so I forgive Marceline for, uh, yeah. for not having because the grass will eventually grow on that. Bingo. The other thing Hamid has sent uh, was a picture of his kids in front of one of the cars. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, you know, the car is stylish. Yep. Sort of this green, sort of Italian-looking racer car. Mm-hmm. Also, super cute kids, Hamid. So very, very, very good job there. Also,
1: teeny, tiny, itty-bitty car.
0: Yeah, this is not the size cars that we have on the Tomorrowland Speedway. No, no. There are no adults sitting in this car. I think Laurel. Could possibly fit in this. Uh, Laurel, Laurel is tiny enough. Laurel could. There we Laurel
1: go. I, in I, 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 in the other hand, could stand and wave.
0: Okay, that's pretty much all I'm doing. At <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I don't think you were I uh, no. getting in that car anytime yeah. soon, or not getting out without you know the the, the jaws <laughs> of life. <laughs> all right. Here's a letter from uh, from Dan G. Who says I enjoyed the episode about the horticulture of Disneyland ahead of its opening. With California in a seemingly permanent state of drought, what would it take for Disneyland to remove plants? For ones that require minimal or no water for irrigation, public pressure, financial incentives. Also, I'm planning a trip to Japan for the first time in 2023. If I do three days at Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea, would you knock them out in three straight days with a rest day afterward? As a Californian, never having done the Walt Disney World gauntlet, I don't have experience doing multiple consecutive days at a theme park on vacation. So let's do the first thing first. Mm -hmm. So what would it take for Disneyland to remove plants? for ones that require minimal or no water for irrigation.
1: We're honestly talking about uh, Disney California version 2.0. For example, Mm -hmm. with Cars Land, and to a lesser extent, what they did with the Condor Flats area, they actually did lean into that. Southern California these days is almost near a perpetual drought. And I remember actually talking with the folks who were working on Cars Land who pointed out the arch in Cars and they were pointing out, okay, so you see the greenery about two-thirds of the way up the mountain there. That is a piece of wire with some plastic and some green that we've we've painted with particularly strong paint because we don't want to go up there and repaint that area anytime soon. So they've already started doing that. However, as they, they look around the park, they are looking for other opportunities to do this. Likewise, they've gotten very serious about water recycling. One of the arguments, for example, when they shut down the subs and eventually, of course, bringing it back in 2008, it's like, look, as a good neighbor in Orange County, we should keep this thing closed. This thing leaks yeah. like a sieve and still does. So it's definitely something on their radar, especially in today's environment. You know, they, And they're always looking for additional ways they can do this. But, yeah, it, it's a view. Of horticulture at Disneyland that's been evolving over the past twenty years or so.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that the uh, the horticulture department takes into account the amount of watering that ha- needs to happen in Disneyland, and they're looking for you know drought resistant plants. Number one, it it uh, it costs Disney money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To do it, and, and to your point, number two, they want to be a good neighbor to the rest of Southern California, so that they do. So also around uh, Dan's question about uh, visiting Japan, you know, my philosophy with any Disney park is two days on, one day off. So if you're going to do three days at Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea, I would not do more than two straight days in a park without taking a day off. So that means that you have to actually have to be there for four days, to visit for three but i think that you'd be much more well rested at the end of that fourth day what do you think jim
1: you can actually take your day off to explore the hotels there on site
0: especially
1: if we're talking about the resorts around that that were built as part of the disney seas complex you know there's a lot to see there so yeah take a breather get out of the parks for a day and then come back in
0: and do the stuff that you need to finish your list Fantastic. Um, Our friend Sandy writes in with some interesting survey questions about annual passes. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that Sandy got was this, as your pass access allows and you are able to visit, are you more or less likely to visit in each of the following ways? And then, so the three columns are more likely, no change or less likely. And the options are visit for a full day, visit on weekends, visit on days or times that are less crowded, visit on weekdays or a visit for a half day or a few hours. And so, Jim, do you think that this is uh, Disney trying to figure out how to segment out the annual passes? Remember, Epcot used to have like that. I think it, it may it may eventually have it again, the after four yes, passes. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And, and also remember that Disneyland prior to the pandemic, through its pricing program, you know, to the effect of if you go during the week, it's one price point. If you go, you know, the right. days around the yeah. weekend, and likewise, you know, the weekend is the most expensive. They are definitely going to be trying, especially now with them stepping away from their annual pass program to their frequent flyer or loyalty program. You know, the notion right. of we know you love the parks. How do you feel about Wednesday afternoon after three?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see the like an after three or after four park pass because, especially if the parks are up until nine or 10, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that seems like a, a decent way to get in, have dinner. Mm-hmm. See some fireworks, maybe get on a couple of rides. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it
1: does. It does. The
0: uh, The other thing Sandy uh, sent in was a question that says, how far in advance do you plan on making a Disney Park Pass reservation for a typical visit to the Walt Disney World Resort? And the options are the same day as my visit, a week or less in advance, two or three weeks in advance, a month in advance, two to three months in advance, four to five months in advance, six months or more in advance, or unsure. And I just want to tell our listeners, mm-hmm. If you get this survey, do not, under any circumstances, Mm -hmm. say six months or more in advance. You do not want to plan your vacation out (laughs) to the day that far in advance. It's just bad for everyone else. Don't select that option. (laughs) Also, uh, Jim, lots of listeners, uh, Angie, Dan, Mm -hmm. and Marcel are some of them, uh, wrote in with AP questions too. So, Jim, maybe some good news on that front. Mm -hmm. I'm told by a friend of the show, Shannon, that Disney has put out a casting call for families who are or were annual pass holders for an upcoming commercial. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, Jim, if they just needed people to act like they had the annual pass in a commercial, they could have hired actors, Mm -hmm. right? So so my theory here is that they're filming some sort of testimonial about the benefits of an annual pass. Like, you know, they can say on the screen, you know, these are real pass holders, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The other thing that Shannon said is, uh, so the casting call is for this week. Mm -hmm. So Shannon said that for previous casting calls like this, the time between filming the commercial and the commercial appearing on TV was about a month, mm-hmm. and that lends credence to the August 16th date that we've seen in Disney's terms and conditions recently, which differentiates between annual passes bought before August 16th, 2021, and annual passes bought after.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know. Could be. Could be nothing. No,
1: no, 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 no. I did. Thanks again, to you, Shannon, for sharing that info. That's interesting. That's definitely interesting.
0: All right. Uh, Jessica writes in with this. Mm. Uh, Love the show. I have a question for y'all. Uh, we're set to go to Walt Disney World in 2022 with our three boys and my in-laws. Yay? Question mark. My in-laws refuse to use their phones to do any sort of planning, tickets, food, fast passes, etc. Mm. Is that even possible anymore? I'm wondering if I should let them go phoneless and see how they fare if I needed to manage or juggle two MDE accounts to make it all work. Thoughts and suggestions, please. Mm. Uh, So Jim, you'll recognize Jessica for her role on the reality TV series, (laughs) Real Housewives of Millersburg, Ohio. (laughs) I actually had to look that up. Uh, Listeners, that is the largest Amish population in the United States. Mm -hmm. That's where the joke comes from. So here's the interesting thing on, on Hannah's recent trip, my daughter, Mm -hmm. most of the kids didn't have magic bands. So they were assigned a plastic card for their tickets to get into their hotel room and so on. And that, that worked fine. And and Disney knows that lots of people don't have smartphones still, so they've got workarounds for everything. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna, still going to run into situations where not having a phone is going to take extra time and require someone to do extra work. So for example, you're going to have to walk to the front desk and stand in line to find out when your room is ready, what the room number is, and to get a room key, mm-hmm. right? And restaurants will give you paper menus if you ask, but it's an extra trip for the server to go get the paper menu, mm-hmm. right? And of course, if you want to see the menu to help you decide on a restaurant before you eat, yeah. you have to walk over to every restaurant you're considering. Yeah. And if some version of Pass comes back around by 2022, you'll need to walk to a kiosk mm-hmm. and wait in the line there to use it. So, you know, if your in-laws want to do this, mm-hmm. they're just going to say, you know, you kids go ahead mm-hmm. and we'll catch up with you. That's better. Mm-hmm. But my guess is this is a family vacation where the idea is to do things together. Mm-hmm. But to me, and Jim, tell me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. it sounds like your in-laws just want you to do all the work, Jess. Mm. and it sounds selfish, man. I got to say it. Mm.
1: There are those of us who have technology dampening fields that are just bad
0: at tech. And yeah. you know, could this also be the, and that's the thing. Yeah. It, they could just be bad at it. Right. Yeah. So, so if they just, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed by it. Mm. I get it. Yeah. Right. But if it's just like, I'm just not going to play this game. Yeah and let the chips fall where they may. That's that's not cool.
1: I, it, may, it just may be time for the conversation to the effect of this is Disney World of 2021, 2022. It's not, we are not pulling out ticket books anymore. We don't have passports. <laughs> exactly. Walt will not be greeting
0: you at the door. Yeah, and it's, just, <laughs> and it's one of the things,
1: if you want to legitimately joy, enjoy your time
0: with your grandchildren, step up and I, and i think this is a conversation that jess's husband needs to have with his parents yeah. about the extra time and the effort that other people will have to yeah. to have yeah. Yeah. if the parents aren't gonna use the phone right so this is a conversation between Justice's husband and his parents
1: there are already enough stressors involved with family vacations we don't need additional stressors that could be resolved early before you, you get to orlando
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I think needs to uh, to happen there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, finally, Brian writes in to correct me for saying wrongly that Spirit <laughs> Airlines flies into Sanford, not Orlando. He says, I'm a pilot for Spirit and I'm afraid that I've been landing at the wrong <laughs> airport in Orlando for the last 13 years. Time to start those descents a few miles earlier. So I replied to uh, Brian with uh, this is what my co-pilot would say Orlando is the one on the left Len." <laughs> So, Allegiant <laughs> flies into Sanford and Spirit flies into Orlando. That's my fault. So, everyone at Spirit okay. except my apologies. But, Jim, while I was uh, I was updating the unofficial guide for the 2022 edition, mm-hmm. I was working on the arriving and getting around chapter, and mm-hmm. noticed that there are two new low-cost Canadian airlines that are starting seasonal service to Orlando and other U.S. Uh, cities this fall. So, Flare oh. Airlines and Swoop oh. are coming to... Uh, I'm a little concerned about that name. (laughs) It's like, yay! Swoop! Swoop, Put your tray tails (laughs) up, we're going to swoop again. It's like naming your airline Terminal Descent. There we go. uh, Or or Final Approach. Just not not what I'm looking for. I do notice, though, that uh, one of the airlines, I think it's Mm Flare has flights to Edmonton during the winter for as low as $29, Jim. But ask how much it is to fly out of Edmonton yeah, in the winter. There is, we, yeah, $700 to leave. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> the only one that played. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim and I talk about the paid Fast Pass options that are coming to Disneyland Paris and what it might mean for Walt Disney World in Disneyland. We'll be right back. So a number of our uh, listeners have written over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. regarding the announcement of Disneyland Paris with a paid FastPass system replacing uh, a free FastPass. So Christopher, Joni, and others wrote in and said something like this. First and foremost, I dislike this idea for the additional financial pressure and financial decisions it'll require within a vacation. But in addition to that, what happens when I buy a FastPass because the posted wait time is 60 minutes, but the wait is actually 25 I would have made a different financial decision with accurate information. What happens if I pay $100 for my family to ride something, but one of the animatronics isn't working or the ride breaks down halfway through and we're stopped for five minutes, which ruins the experience? Do I get a refund? Right.
1: Yeah. By the way, you know, for those of you with your Jim Hill cliché game cards, uh, we're about to, to to do the, you know, if we look back to <laughs> August of
0: 1986. Sorry, before you start, let me tell you about the time that I played bingo in Las Vegas at 2 a.m. Did you? Okay, no. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. So I'm playing, it's completely packed. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Fremont Street. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm tired. I'm not even, I wasn't even drinking. I'm just exhausted because 2 a.m. is 5 a.m. Eastern time. Oh, and I just yeah, flown in. yeah, yeah. It, And so you get the cards and you've got those, you know, those blue dabbers, right? It's a, it's a bottle of liquid, liquid with a sponge on top and you turn it upside down Mm -hmm. and you dab it on your bingo card and that marks Mm -hmm. that the number was called. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying not to fall asleep on you know hit my forehead on this little deborah thing and this old woman has pity on me next to me she doesn't even say hello mm-hmm. she just starts <laughs> pounding my cards with hers like you know son if you're not going to do this yeah. i will just do this for you okay. so all of our listeners get, get ready because you're gonna do the same thing yeah here. all right go yeah
1: ahead. okay i get the concern about the premier access because this is coming on the heels of uh, Shanghai Disneyland is you know the folks who initially went from having a fast pass system to this premier access system, and that park has only been open since 2017. Free pass pass lasted relatively short time, but at the same time, it made enough revenue that the folks in Paris took notice. This is something we can trot out, but the interesting thing about the international parks, Len is because they haven't existed for decades, they can be a little more free in what they do. There's not a decades-long tradition of, well, this is how we do things. I love the fact that Hong Kong used to actually have a Halloween event where they did mazes that you entered off of Main Street you walk into a storefront and here's a universal level horror experience going on (laughs) and then uh, well that was fun let's go down to the emporium and buy some plush so it's a little looser construct there because they haven't been around since 55 or 71 as recently as august of 86 disney has a program called i have an idea it's for the frontline employees or working the actual attractions or the shops and the notion they can help with operations. They're the ones who notice like, geez, if we had an additional brake pad here on say, Mr. Toad, it would be easier to do load unload. And so, you know, the idea was every year they'd throw open this competition and cast members would submit ideas. And then if your idea got adopted, you'd then get invited to this banquet that would be held at the Disneyland Hotel and you'd be given a plaque and a $150 check. At this point, Len, in 1986, this program has been around long enough that out ahead of each year's presentation, they put out a promo piece to the effect that we we welcome everybody to invite. We just want to tell you areas to avoid. Here are some things that you guys keep submitting. That's it, exactly. That that we've said no to a million times. Yeah, okay. Okay. So a number of ideas have been submitted often by different people for Disneyland's I Have an Idea Competition. Here are a few of the popular ideas that appear year after year, but have never been implemented. Is
0: one of them Elton John Mickey Mouse?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of surprised in 1986 that didn't show up. Okay, all right, go ahead. Okay, so we start off with... An Area to Avoid is suggesting to construct an attraction based on the most recently released Disney film. All of our films are considered as possible attraction themes, but money will not be committed until the film has proven to be popular over an extended period
0: of time. And that's fair because, you know, otherwise we would end up with, you know, John Carter from Mars in Adventureland. And- Which we damn near did, Len. I know. We did, didn't we? Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: But this is August of 86. Michael Eisner came through the door in September of 84, and even he can't get them to change the policy at this point he's trying. That's why Splash Mountain is called Splash Mountain as opposed to zippity Doodah River Run. Eisner wanted there to be at least one park uh, attraction in the park that referenced a recent Disney hit movie, which in this case was Splash the Ron Howard-Tom Hanks thing.
0: So I love the fact that Splash Mountain got its name mm. from the Ron Howard film, and it references a ride. It doesn't reference <laughs> anything about the film in the ride, and yet the ride itself is based on a film that Disney doesn't release anymore. (laughs) There we go! There we go. None of this has anything to do with anything else, but it still works.
1: Even then, from Eisner coming through the door in September of 84, Splash Mountain doesn't open until July of 89, so almost five years, and they try over time to speed this thing up. In fact... Frozen opened in theaters in November of 2013, and they did manage to get Frozen Ever After open in World Showcase by June of 2016. So two years and seven months. But what helped to fast track that was they walked into that building, which was housing Maelstrom. They pulled down all the existing sets. They made some fairly sizable changes to the trough to extend a little bit, but largely you know, a lot of that was left in place.
0: Yeah, the ride, the ride elements are the ride elements. I mean, some of it got extended, but it's the there are parts of that ride that are charitably described as lightly themed.
1: There we go. And then just this past weekend, we had the Coco scene get dropped into Mickey's PhilharMagic.
0: Right. That's they've announced that that's coming. Right. Yeah.
1: That opened in theaters in November of 2017, and it's supposedly on July 17th. It'll debut at Disney's California Adventure. Likewise, at Disneyland Paris. Moana, on the other hand, that opens in theaters November 2016. And to be honest, if Epcot's epic transformation with the whole Neighborhoods program, with World Celebration, World Discovery, and World Nature, Mm -hmm. if that hadn't been knocked off schedule, the Journey of Water inspired Moana, that was supposed to have opened last fall. Oh really, that's soon. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we can expect that within a year.
1: Yeah, but right now what I'm hearing is they're hoping first quarter of 2022.
0: Yeah, I saw the I saw the uh, construction photos from Bio Reconstruct. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean it's just it's another one of these situations where we were just talking, horticulture. I mean it's one thing to get the physical plant in, the walkway, the the leapfrog fountains and all that. It's another thing to it's supposed to be this lush environment. And it's like, well yeah, in order to be
0: lush, you know, we gotta grow some plants. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, The um, I was in Epcot yesterday, the whole set of waterways around hmm. Future World West, so from imagination on down towards the seas, was completely drained. Really? Okay. Yeah. That, that, that
1: does plug in with, with what we're hearing. I am told that when finally the Play Pavilion, because it's not, in fact, out in public as part of a giant construction fence blocking the, the central most part of Future World, when that comes back online, we're going to see day and date stuff there, you know, to the effect a movie will be opening in theaters and you will be able to walk into that pavilion and be able to play. The Friends of Imagineering basically say, look, people are going to be paying for the privilege of playtesting. They're going to come into that pavilion. In a lot of ways, this is the old Walt Disney Imagineering Lab thing from uh, Interventions Writ Large. And things that are popular will get funding and go out into the world and become attractions. And things that prove not to be popular, uh, when that funding runs out, that attraction goes away. And again, we're back to the, uh, you know, again, that Surrey in the Disneyland line in August of 86. This is the thing that will kind mm-hmm. of blow your mind, Len. Again, in areas to avoid when pitching ideas to I have an idea. Stop asking us to do what. Present a Halloween promotional event similar to not Scary Farm. Yeah, that'll never work. There we go. This <laughs> is what they actually say. The marketing staff has considered a Halloween event for years, but for a variety of reasons has decided
0: against going ahead. And just a little background. So so were there were the variety of reasons? Did did that include we don't like making money or making people happy? Was that at this point in
1: 86, we're still dealing with a lot of folks who, you know, there are people who walked in the door, got their first job in 1955 and are still there at Disney. Yeah, and there's 30 years later. Yeah, yeah. and so, they're you know, for example, we want to do a Halloween event. It's like, oh, geez, no. Remember when we did that in 59? Yeah. We brought a thousand pumpkins in and we set up up in a holiday land and then we had, a you know, a costume contest in the Fantasyland Theater and the kids were still in school. They didn't come to this event. So, no, we shouldn't do that. So it was—it was one of these things where getting folks who had been there forever to sort of change their mind. We don't actually get Disneyland Halloween time, their uh, version of a, a Halloween program, till 2010 Land. Well, Disney World got its Mickey's Not So Scary up and running as early as 1996, but Disneyland holds off. And why does it hold off? The Halloween 1994. There was a, a radio station California, KISS FM 102.7 mm-hmm. on your dial. The drive time guy at that time, and I'm sure you'll recognize his
0: name, Rick Dees. Rick Dees. Is he do Disco Duck? There we go. Okay. So, yes. All right. All right. So, Rick Dees is the DJ. Can, wait, while you're doing this, can I hum the theme to WKRP <laughs> in Cincinnati? <laughs> Baby, if you've ever wondered. Okay. All right. Oh, there we go. And so, for a
1: week out ahead of Halloween 1994, Rick Dees, as part of his drive time radio show, is saying, "Hey, we're doing a special promotion on Disneyland on Halloween Day. If you show up at the park between 6 a.m. and 8:30 in a Halloween costume, you can get into Disneyland for
0: free." Okay, so the radio station essentially bought admission into the park. Yes, for anyone who's wearing a Halloween costume between 6 a.m. and eight and 8:30 a.m. on Halloween, there we I go. can tell you right now how this went. Jim. Well, that's
1: the thing. The parking lot opens at. Five, and the world pours in. Yeah. By eight o'clock in the morning, they had to close the park because it was at capacity. There were fifty thousand people who had driven there to get into Disneyland for free. Oh, that's a Monday too, so people are going to work. There we go. All right, so it's a (laughs) four-hour-long traffic jam out on the five. The parking lot (sighs) fills up they're now having to turn away. They, they can't even park people at this point. I'm sorry, you can't come in. And we stopped admitting people for free in Halloween costumes at 8.30. And it got ugly. It got crowded. And there are stories of graffiti artists marking up the queue for Space Mountain. It wasn't the happiest place on Earth that day. Disney doesn't do things until it does. We don't do attractions that are based on you know current films until we do. And we don't do Halloween events until we do. We don't charge for fast pass until we do. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) This is the moment we are at. Shanghai has proven that this is a viable new revenue stream. And Paris wants to step up, especially ahead of next year's launch of the Avengers campus at Walt Disney Studios. They want this program in place out ahead of that. And, You know, you saw at the very top of the show, Len, how, you know, they're, hey, if you book a VIP tour, you know, you can get Rise of the Resistance. And again, you said three days, four days. I've been told that didn't work. And frankly, we don't need that sort of publicity out ahead of Disney World's 50th anniversary celebration. Right. But that said, this is a real revenue stream at a time when the company is still recovering from a pandemic they are going to figure out how to do this but it will be after the 50th anniversary it will be a discrete launch for paris the languages service has limited availability, availability and while purchasing disney premier access gives a guest fast access access to attraction it doesn't guarantee immediate access or for that matter you know what you were talking about earlier when there are mechanical issues and as happens at a theme park just because you purchase this program, and the attraction goes down, I'm sorry. You just like all the other guests here. You can't get on this thing.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that when it comes to the United States, mm-hmm. the the disclaimers around paid fast pass mm. are going to make make like a, uh, a nuclear super fund litigation look like a model of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the terms and conditions around what you're getting. Mm-hmm and how, it, how the wait times can be wrong mm-hmm. will be explicitly spelled out in this, right? So to go back to uh, you know, the original point that Christopher and Joni were, were making was you know, Disney, Disney's terms and conditions will say, look, the posted wait time might say 100 minutes, mm-hmm. but in the actual way, it might be 10. Yeah. And you agree that you're still going to buy this thing anyway mm-hmm. and, and not ask for a refund.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is coming. You did see Disney box. But if the 50th anniversary year goes the way Disney thinks it might, where they see record Mm -hmm. crowds and amazing turnout at the park, they may, in the middle of next year, just bite the bullet to the effect of we're seeing record crowds here and we have a, a certain subset of customers that are willing to pay for this and we're rolling this out. And they'll just take the publicity hit. But it will be one of
0: these things where. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Disney will definitely take a publicity hit in, in return for mm-hmm. you know nine figure income. Mm-hmm. But, or eight figure income, yeah, they'll will do that every day.
1: But you know how you know when you really have something you don't want to reveal, and so you you announce it on Fridays after the market closes. This is definitely a Friday at four o'clock press release. This is, oh, sure. goes yeah. skating out like, oh yeah, yeah, pay you know fast fast program at the at Stateside Disney parks, and and hope that the news cycle over the weekend buries it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> stateside disney parks do
1: not have premier access do not have paid fast pass but again you know there was a time they didn't do halloween and they didn't do recent films and that changed and i'm just saying get ready for this change it's coming
0: yeah i, I agree I, you know i expect that we'll hear something about how it's going to work before october along with something around a release date so we'll we'll see it's a question of when are they going to make the announcement? Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and they seriously do not want to screw up the nostalgia factor of you have to come back to Walt Disney World to experience the 50th anniversary.
0: Right, so they'll probably do the 50th anniversary marketing stuff and then slide it in after that. There you go. There you go. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to disneydish.bandcamp.com. We'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including a new show on the history of Disney on Ice. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, len at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be giving tortilla making lessons to go along with his world famous skirt steak and cotilla tacos at the DC Taco and Margarita Festival on Saturday, August 21st at the bullpen at Half Street Fairgrounds in beautiful downtown Washington, DC. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Radar show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.